Hello, friends, and welcome back to another Needlessly Nostalgic. This is our fourth one. I am very excited for today's episode. I am, of course, your co-host, Tyler Nichols, and I've got my other co-host, Lance Belchek here. Lance, I know you're excited for today. How are you doing? I, I can't really complain, man. I'm, I'm living life. Yeah. Number four. This was, I feel like to me, the start. Some it's the end, but I think we could both agree that uh, the final chapter is definitely a fan favorite. So I'm glad to actually start tackling uh, the ones that I think we just uh, immediately agree so we could just have a good time with. Yeah. And for those that are unaware, uh, Lance and I are the posts of Needlessly Nostalgic. We will go through different right now horror movie franchises but we might branch off into other stuff eventually right now we are going through the friday the 13th series yes yes and yeah today we're looking at the final chapter but uh i think it was the last episode that we talked about the scream factory box set which we are both watching from one of the best box sets to ever grace uh my little hands yeah Yeah, they do a fantastic job with this. Mm. And one thing that kind of stood out to me that I liked during the conversation, but I didn't have the set on hand. So I think it would be fun to talk about is the reverse sleeves. And because we had we had already talked about it in the last episode, but I want to talk more specifics and what we would actually prefer in terms of the sleeves. So obviously, since we missed out on the other ones, we got to go, go back. back and talk about the yeah the first the first three. So, what's what's your what are your thoughts on this this uh, first Friday the Thirteenth? So though it's not my favorite movie, cover. I um you know I tend to be a little bit uh, how do I say this? I don't love the movie, but I I like the original cover. It's a little, it's iconic. It's an iconic cover. And then when I'm looking at this, this one inside, I appreciate that it's different, but it, no, absolutely not. A hundred percent. It's too different. Yes, exactly. And, and I've never seen it. So, uh, like shell factor, the the thing that I liked is they would do new covers and then put the old cover, um, inside. So if you wanted something new and interesting, awesome, if you're an old school guy that is a little bit more of a, a historian that you had it, I don't know what this is. Have you ever seen this axe in the bed? Yes, I have. In real life, yeah. like in, in, in the wild? Not in the wild. I've only ever seen it. I believe it's either it's in one of the Crystal Lake memories. Okay. I think it's a European cover, I want to say. But I've, I don't. My biggest problem is the font. Really? I really don't like that font. Yeah. I mean, I just hate the, 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 the bed looks. I don't know, it's just so 80s. Whereas, like, the outline of the killer and the, the camp counselors in the middle, I think that just alludes to more of what's going on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, I think I've said in the, the last one that my I don't really like a lot of the Friday the 13th covers. They're very generic. Yes. For the original. And the original is incredible. So it's I'm right there with you. I, I might try out the other one if it had the correct font, but the fact that it doesn't have that classic Friday the 13th font, it just, it doesn't sit good, sit good on the shelf. So I can't, I can't stomach that. (laughs) Well, let's jump into two because two is, is I think exactly like four (laughs) where it's just dog shit. It just takes out a picture and puts a font. I hate that. Uh, No, I like the back more. The back has Pamela Voorhees' severed head. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the cover, man. The cover is the conversation. 
And the cover sucks because it's the number two is almost just like a uh, a redo of the first one without the camp counselors. It's a little more just sort of you know basic, but it, it gets the job done. I don't like when they take a picture out and just put the font. I don't like that. Which is why the reverse of four sucks. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, so well, I want to ask. Well, I want to ask too. Um, before we move on too far, do you because the Friday the Thirteenth includes the uncut version and the theatrical? Do you just watch the uncut version every time? Yes. Same. Yeah, I mean, once you get an uncut version, I, 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 why would I go back? Especially in the series where, like, my whole thing is the kills. You know? I, I just have to laugh. It almost sounded like you said uncut version. <laughs> it's the uncut version. Yeah. It gets rid of that one bitch from part seven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting over a cold, so there's a little bit of that, uh, that you know, that, that gruff and that sort of, you know, thickness. No, I, I like it. I'm going to start using that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so part three is, I think, one of, I think it's the best of all of the ones that, at least from these first four. Yeah, it's cool. It's so it, good. It reminds, well, I, so three is classic. The original one's classic where the knife comes through. That's one I've always seen. Mm-hmm. The reverse though is kind of cool. The reverse right, reminds me a little of, um, I don't know who the artist that did the Friday, the, or I'm sorry, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Uh, but it has sort of that vibe. And I kind of like that where it's Jason, though it looks a little weird, going through the glass window. Uh, I it's like really it. It's really nice. It's, it's a really nice drawing. Yeah. That, I w- that would make for a good, a good just poster on its own. Yeah, something different. Because, you know, um, it's, it's different enough where I, I respect it because it still kind of goes in the same vain is what's going on though i've never seen that in the wild either so i i wonder if these reverses are or at least some of these reverses are all european cuts or or sort of like interest or uh like you know when the boxes come out like oh let's make something else i, I don't know i never looked into that because i've never seen it this one before that wasn't outside the box set wouldn't surprise me i'm sure that uh friday the 13th franchise.com probably has our answers they are on top of everything they are uh, the perfect they are like the epitome like of a good database for friday the 13th so anyone that uh is curious about that i'm sure it's on that website but before we get into the movie i want to say that uh part four which is funny because i always forget this it's something that i swear i'm I'm living in a loop this is my groundhog's day where i swear that it says four somewhere on the cover and it never does and I'm because I was afraid it was like, oh, part four, the final chapter. And, and yeah. they took out the four because they, you know, it, it was looking a little uh, goofy. I love this cover. It was in the video game for NES for Nintendo. And I love that game growing up as a little kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's great. C- clearly, it's it's a mirrored image because the uh, axe cuts on the wrong side. But yes. I don't care but, because it's a classic. The mask is beautiful. The blood, the knife in the eye, dude. Come on. Come on. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I like that a lot more. And the reverse is literally just with just font. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a bunch of letters. Two. Yeah, fuck that. Which, yeah. I mean, I like it says three times before you have felt the terror, known the madness, lived the horror, but this is the one you've been screaming for. <laughs> I like that. I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's, I mean, maybe in a trailer, but it, fuck, I post It's like, I want to read and put in a book. You know what I'm saying? Posters are visual art. You could have yeah. a tagline, but like that poster, the entire poster is a tagline. Cool as it is, no dice. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I'm right there with you too of I thought could have sworn that there is a part four somewhere, but there is not. And 
like I said, kind of messes with me, my head a little bit. <laughs> it's the, um, what is that effect called where people think something like, uh, like Mandela, Mandela yeah. effect, whatever it's called. Uh, cause I've always said the, uh, the, the, uh, the Bernstein my entire life and it's Bernstein. I'm like, where did that come from? Berenstain. That's even worse. The Berenstain bears. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's Steen. I, I swear. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think it's Steen. But this is so Friday the 13th. The final chapter premiered in 1984. This was a two year break for some reason. It's directed by Joseph Zito. And this one has writing credit from Victor Miller, Ron Kurz and Martin Catrasso. I believe Victor Miller and Ron Kurz are just uh, based upon. Yeah, it's just characters based on. Yeah. Screenplay by Barney Cohen. Okay, then that's interesting. Oh, it's because of the they have to credit the they have to credit the Friday the Thirteenth two writers because there's characters <laughs> that carry over because we see like Rob the sister like the brother of uh, Sandra from Part Two, so they get credited in this too. <laughs> oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I uh, there, I guess there's seven credited there's seven writing credits on this. <laughs> No, but it means everybody gets paid. So it's cool in yeah. that sense where it's like, hey, man, I'm looking for everybody to make a buck and get uh, get a day off here. So why not? Yeah, that is true. And why did you like I'm curious as to why they it like because all the other ones are just a year apart. And it's still after this one, the next one is the next year. So it's weird that they had a two year break in there. I. I don't, I have no idea. I never looked it up, but I, I would say this, that the first thing I did notice with that two year break is it, this looked technically a lot better. Um, it's funny cause I, I don't know how much the budget was increased, but like starting off essentially like the, the same night it's pulling like a Halloween two. we got the yes. helicopter. Like I just felt like the, the blocking the staging and like, I don't know, this just seemed a little more epic right off the bat for being a really low budget franchise. So I'm assuming or hoping that those two years was to like, Hey guys, we got to end this once and for all. Let's, let's actually sit down. I don't know if that's true, but in my heart, it, hopefully they go back to the same place that they filmed part three. So it is also very interesting to see those same, like the same house and same barn, yeah. but not lit for 3d and get to actually see some moodiness to it. And also there was just that another two years of, of uh, wear and tear. So there was just a little more griminess to things. And I don't know. I think that that really, really worked for me. I had to look it up. So I'm like, wait a minute, everything looks exact, but there's just things look cooler. Like, why does it just look so much cooler? I <laughs> but was, the barn also, yeah. I feel like looks smaller for some reason. I don't know. I, I liked Zito's direction uh, in this a lot, actually. Um, at least compared to the last couple. And in fact, I would say this is the first one that seems a little cinematic. Um, yes. Just based on, like like you said, how things were kind of shot and looked. And, and there's a lot of shadows and stuff like that. Just Yeah, and the, well, the, the, because the, he directed The Prowler, which was oh, like three okay. years earlier. And The Prowler is, it's a very generic slasher, but looks great. No, it's funny. I've never seen that. I've, I've heard about it, but never got the, uh, the chance. Yeah, it's I, I only watched it for uh, a video and I <coughs> liked it, but it's not like I, if, if you're not super into slashers, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, you got to you got to check this one out. <laughs> Unlike something like Br- Blood Rage, where I'm like, yes, you have to watch that. It's amazing. But no, it, this this starts off, I think, kicking off really strong. 
I like the fact that a helicopter, I, I like that it pans down. I like that there's a, a chaos of what's going on and that they bring bodies and Jace, or Jason's getting wheeled out, which I'm mm-hmm. saying right here because I know there's a big disagreement. He's dead. Like he's not faking it. He's not like hibernating for like eight hours because it's not like they put him in the ambulance and, and he just gets up and gets out. He gets checked. They put him in. They take him to the hospital, put him in the morgue. The, you know, yada, yada, yada happens. I, I feel like there's so much time between when he was stabbed in the head, falling down to where he wakes up that I, I have a theory, but let's, 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 I guess, go with how we normally do it and start off uh, from the beginning. And I'd like you to lead for a second so I could get my scene pulled up. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> this is uh, continuing our trend of recaps at the beginning of these films because VHS and Laserdisc was not quite as widespread as it uh, would end up being so we got a great really just highlight reel of the like first three films which i think is so much better than what we got in two and three because two and three it's just the same thing beat for beat and that is just not fun they and they also do a great job of we talked up Paul's speech from part two at the campfire, campfire yeah, yeah. and they bring it back and they do exactly what I would have done as an editor, which is then just overlay kills over that great speech. And it works. It works so well. I, I love it. It's it, I, I cannot. There, is there any other movie? I mean, I know Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 will like replays most of the first film and the first half of the second film. But even that it's different music cues. It's tighter editing. Eh, the yeah. first, like two and three, it's just the exact, it's the endings chopped off. Yes. No, no, no. I, I agree that, that those I accept for what they are, but this is the first time we actually have like uh, style to recap and and like you're right Mm -hmm. it doesn't just show the like it it edits things together as it's telling a story because this is the final chapter and i would say this is the second best recap um i personally think the best is part seven uh just because that's like this only just tighter and better and it has like the the narration like he's he's in there waiting you know it's like ah i love it i love it but this has that vibe this is trying to hype me up and it does a damn fine job and hold on hold on Probably the best title card sequence has the, the mask and it has a final chapter coming below it. And then it's a fucking Rambo movie. It just explodes. <laughs> final chapter. It's, it goes so actiony for really no reason. But I'm like, absolutely. Uh, yes, sir. And let's continue on this trend. Yeah, I think it's a fun action, actiony kind of title card. And I mean, then they it's the same kind of title scene that we see in all of these movies so that aspect is the same as usual but i think there is a little bit more energy to manfredini's score i think he's kind of relishing and not having to do the disco thing yeah I, I, well i would say uh, this movie as a whole seemed to have more energy and, and a little tighter pacing um again maybe just because as we're getting later in the 80s that's just more of a style i i can't really say if this movie went out of its way to do it, but it, I felt that right off the bat, this wasn't wasting as much time as uh, parts one, two, or three. Yeah, it's, it, it gets right into the meat and potatoes of it because, yes. I mean, even the recap, we're still seeing deaths. It's, 
it's something more than just again a re- cut off of the last 10 minutes of the fir- of the prior film so i know i've harped on that a lot but uh, i just I, I like that there's actual editing going on to then show us a story <laughs> that that's important to me yeah yeah and, and it like i said it hypes you up and i think that's the whole point is this to me it almost seems like everybody's reinvigorated because this was with all good intentions to be the final chapter. And I love that we had an era to that somehow people believed audiences and the writers and directors, like, you know, I don't know if the studio truly believed. I mean, I think the studio always kind of knew like, Hey man, if it makes money, we're going to do more, but they didn't let that out of the bag because if you watch the crystal light documentaries, people are like, nah, man, this is the last one. We're going to make it. And this isn't the only one. I mean, I, I, every era or every series around this era had an ending. And I love that that exists. I love that we, at one point as a culture thought we could just walk away from something that was successful and it, and we'll never go back to that. It's, this is a fucking fossil if I've ever seen it, but I'm glad that it exists. Yeah. If anything, it's a, People specifically try to avoid anything finite because you never know. Never know what's going to happen. Things get rediscovered all the time. There are a million different movies that released to an absolute whimper and then gained cult status. It's, it's a story as old as time. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, there's a reason that that's the case. And Sometimes, I don't know, there's, I, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we were not away from that a little bit, just because I don't want just, because when you hear them talk about these kinds of movies, or even I uh, had watched the Red Ledger Media guys talk about, talk about these, and they talk about how just like the well was dry by this point, and I could not disagree more, since I, because I think that's something that just people who aren't super into horror movies, they just don't understand the appeal of seeing more than one of just someone killing a bunch of teens at a summer camp, which is what they just view the Friday the 13th series as. But I just enjoy so many elements of the, so, so many elements of it that I'm like, I mean, we have 12 movies and I still feel like we haven't uh, completely, completely taken advantage of every aspect of it so no, no I this, to... uh, we no, no, we're on the same page because one I, I love uh, Mike J and uh, Rich Evans uh, with all my heart I mean they're one of us they're a Midwesterner yeah. uh, but, but I do agree that when it comes to stuff like this they don't seem to just be able to have the, the type of fun that I do you mm-hmm. know like I find this like comfort food this is I like the repetition I, I like it's the same shit I, you know I like that every director basically it's the same bag of tricks but they get to try to utilize them in a unique way i find that to be i don't i i think the restriction of it actually breeds uh a bit of creativity of course not as much as you would get in nightmare on elm street but whatever i mean it's this is more of the the blue collar version of that so i'm always gonna be down so here's the thing though what i i miss about the 80s uh, and, and I will give credit to Saw for doing this, but I love the idea. And I mentioned this, I think, on other podcasts or something, so I don't want to harp too much on it, but, uh, or I don't want to take too much time on it, I should say. I love that 
the way these worked is that however the last movie ended, the new director had to start from there, whatever that was. <laughs> and I find that to be very creative and very interesting. Like, yes, it doesn't work now. That's why things get rebooted and changed to different timelines because it, it, it's a handicap, but I think it's a great handicap as a creative. Yeah. Jason was stabbed in the head, he was hung, and he died on the floor. Okay, go. You know, it's like, okay, Freddy was fucking, you know, buried his bones with holy water in a junkyard. Go. I like that idea. Again, it only really works for these kind of silly movies. It, it wouldn't work for something as, like, serious as, like, a, maybe, like, a, a scream or... Uh, what else is a very serious uh, franchise? Or Halloween is a great example. Like, um, that's why they keep rebooting those, because Halloween's never been silly, so it has to kind of stay in this sort of grounded, gritty reality. It's never been silly. Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> well, not silly in terms of they just made a shitty movie, whereas I feel Man. Jason, you know, part six when he rips the guy's arm off and, and is like surprised by his own strength, like shit like that. Um, That's true. So I like that from here. I, 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 I am with you, though. I, I, I'm glad that we're not just trying to end things and walk away. But I do appreciate that the, that optimism existed. That's that's the big the big thing I'm trying to say. But I do love and I miss and which I will give so credit for said the same shit. Two ends, three has to start where that fucking ended. Four ends, we, we, you know, even if it's not starting the day after, whatever happened in four has to go in five and five and the six. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the only time in my adult life I ever saw that happen. And I don't think I've seen it since because really at this era, it doesn't make sense. Reboot it, soft reboot it, have a new character be a brother, the sister of that, and then, and, you know, make a mention of it. That's more reliable on, uh, I think the movie sensibilities of the audience at this point. I think that the closest we really have it is the conjuring series in terms of just things being picked up from where, whatever the last movie in that franchise was. So then, but even then they are constantly kind of retroactively changing things because then they're like, ah, we don't want, we we don't like that. So then, even though this thing happened like earlier on, then we're we're gonna switch it around. That's a good point. And they also do yeah. a lot more prequels and like side quest shit that just yeah. to sort of keep the universe building. But because we're in the universe yeah. era, that's why. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they set up the Annabelle doll in the first Conjuring, and that origin gets changed at least two different times in the series. Yeah. They give like a, like a different meaning to it of like, oh, this isn't actually the origin. The origin actually happened before because it's like, oh, we don't want to tell the story that you guys were alluding to here. That's boring. We're going to do something else. Yeah, I, mean, so like, I get it. I get that, it. But these movies, though, they're do that, like, do that well, too. Yeah. yeah, they're like, nope, this is where we got. We ended off. We're not going to do some kind of silly shit. To, I mean, they they do some kind of weird whack things to then justify whatever story elements they're adding but they're not they're not going nuts so at the very beginning for the most part they're still going from where the other film left off yes and i and i appreciate that they respect enough to have sort of tippy toe their way into being more convoluted later on yeah. uh, and again it works because this is a blue collar meat and potato series it really does because nope. at this point you're kind of rooting for jason I, I know most people aren't. I, I, I absolutely am. Uh, and then after this, it's, it's full blown like, f- you know, fuck them kids. I would say that this is my last 
this is the last time where I'm where I'm on board for the kids and I feel bad and where Jason is just so he's he's brutal in this movie. Yes. He's a mean motherfucker. Doesn't waste time. Does not at all. And these kids I like I like all these kids. And we won't get into the kids quite yet because we still got the uh I want to talk about the whole (laughs) the nurse and her terrible taste in men because we get Jason gets picked up by these ambulance people, which I like too. They kind of set it up where it seems like, Oh, is Jason going to kill these ambulance drivers? But they, he doesn't go after them instead. And he gets wheeled to the morgue and he's almost, do you think that he is uh, brought back to life by them? Yes. Getting all horny. Yes. I wrote it down. I, I've always thought that it's like the sex in the air. You know, it, like the electricity in, in part six, it, it energized them. And then the guy comes back alone and kind of is watching that, that workout video. And he's, he's not really, you know, he's not jerking, but let's be clear. He's close to it. And that yeah. energy is still there. So it's still sexual tension, which brings Jason back. And then gets up and then starts. Absolutely. Because that, that's what I'm saying. At this point, he's not faking it. Like, he has no reason to. He's, he's a strong, built, tough crazy hockey mask killer like he's not the kind of guy that's gonna lie in weights and 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 plan like he's he's a bulldozer so you're telling mm-hmm. me he's just lying in this room for fucking an hour i mean and again i don't know the time frame where is the cabin to the hospital they have to sign him in they have to put him in you know there's a lot of logistics here i i would even argue it's probably three hours after so do you believe jason was just hiding and hanging out under that sheet for three hours not my jason that's no. for sure yeah, and one also in Freddy versus Jason, they have the Jason or Freddy brings Jason back by with like this whole scenario of Jason killing these these people who were clearly having sex and then went out and or at least were going to have sex and then went out and were swimming and got all murdered. So I feel like I feel like it's definitely safe to say that it's it's canon. I I think so, and again. I know people think he's human in this. I would say he's maybe not a zombie, but he's no. not. He's he's definitely partly undead. I would meet people halfway. He is not a human being in this one. He might have human traits. He might be, like I said, in half the foot in the astral plane. Who knows? But he's not just some redneck dude. Absolutely we not. Will, we will get into it later, but um, live people cannot stay underwater for absurd amounts of time. So, <laughs> but. So then uh, the I like the because we get the nurse and doctor getting killed. And I've, I've always loved the head twist effect. It looks just because he like almost like digs his hands, his fingers into the throat of the guy, which I love. And then the twist, it, it looks great. Looks so good. Well, he has the, the medical saw. And then, yeah, it's a very aggressive, like, prosthetic in the twist. So it's, 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 again, I like the, the cinematic lighting because it's, uh, you know, it's half lit by the TV, but it's still dark enough. I don't know. It looks cinematic. It looks like it's, you know, not flat and boring like uh, we've been mentioning last couple movies. And again, right off the bat, it's like, oh, the kill is more aggressive than we've seen in the last three films. And they seem like you get to show a little bit more. You notice that yes. I, I felt not a lot, but more than, than three, uh, two and three and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe one, honestly, I just felt slightly gorier. 
Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, the Jason kill alone, spoiler alert, but like that's that's more violent than anything we've seen prior in this franchise. So and I and I bitched several times of the whole. Not like not. Not going full bore with the first kill and they could they they go full bore with this first kill like we get a full on great effect. It's not just a stabbing that we then don't see anything and they show they show a lot and the second kill comes 10 seconds after you know it's like they don't waste time and that kill when he he is basically gutting the nurses again not anything as crazy if we'd see now but, but back then absolutely and mm-hmm. that this is clearly meaner and more aggressive and gorier than we've been used to for prior three films and i'd like to you know acknowledge that that's a probably a great reason why of many, this is considered one of the best because this were, this is the one where it feels like the Friday 13 series and Jason Voorhees is kind of finally coming to its own. Yeah, absolutely. This is, there's a reason that this and part six are the, the crown jewels of the franchise. And it's because this is the most, one of the most Jason films out there. I still remember seeing this on AMC late at night during these Friday the 13th marathons and it just hits the hits the right tone mm, with yeah. the there's rain and the thunder and lightning and everything just feels so drab i love it yeah no it's it's not the most cinematic one so far absolutely absolutely yeah. zito all the way yeah, Zito is fucking fantastic. I, I mean, I like me some Steve Miner, but clearly, clearly this is seeing this and the third one back to back. It's insane how much better the cinematography is. Just absolutely unreal. But then, so then we get our introduction of the main cast members, which I think this is the best introduction of our potential victims for any film in the series. I love this intro. Now we're talking the intro to the teens, the intro to um, Corey Feldman as mom and sister, to the teens, the teens specifically. Is it, it, why does it go to the, does it, is it Corey Feldman and them first for, yeah, it sets up them real quick and then it goes to the teens. Uh, but what I'll say, yeah. I love that house. Oh yeah. It's great cat. Well, Kevin, my ass. That's, that's just yeah. a house that is in a rural area. So everything's wood. No, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah, that's definitely just a normal, uh, like a, it's, it's my dream house. It's I've seen, I've seen people go in it after the fact and take pictures and like, that's, it's not a set or anything that what we see in this movie is what that house looks like to this day. It's incredible. God, it's so eighties. It's so eighties. So eighties. And for those that are unaware, it's actually, they did not the other house is not a real house. It's something that they built for production because they wanted these two houses that were right next to each other. And so they just built their own. So when you see the other house, just from I always think of this because I'm like, how much stuff doesn't work in this place where it's just a shell? Yeah, I imagine there's a lot. Man, movie magic, magic. Yeah, it's incredible. But then the uh, the so the teens, the teens themselves, which I call them teens. I guess they're probably just young adults. But that's when we get the famous "you're a dead, dead fuck, fuck" line. 
for Krispy Kreme. It's so good. I love I love their interactions. Hold on, I wrote this down because uh uh where is that? Where is that? Oh yeah. I'm not for for extended universes, but I am absolutely down to see who and what was up with BJ Betty. Like I want to know her story. Because because <laughs> Crispin Glover Glover supposedly dumped her. That's what they were getting at, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. BJ Betty. Seems like a sweet girl. I don't know. I feel like she got the short of the stick here. I want to know what <laughs> happened. Poor, uh, poor Glover. And yeah, Axel, I think that's the guy's name, right? Because I, I love that name. It's like Ted. a badass. It's just Ted. Oh, sorry. Axel's the fucking the nurse guy. I wrote that. Wrong oh, down. is that what it is? Yeah, because yeah, Ted, where's the, where's the corkscrew? <laughs> I like, all, I like I Ted because Ted comes off of this kind of guy that... Um, and they kind of established a little. I don't know if, if it's more my interpretation of it, but... That he's this like slick. Okay, I got all the girls. That's going on, and then by the end of it, he's just watching like a nineteen, you know, nineteen oh one porno by himself in the room because he's talking a big game right here. Like, oh, he knows what's going on, how to get the girls. He's giving Mister Chris McGlover some shit. You know, I, I like that boisterous sort of douchey attitude that sort of comes back at him later on. Same. I I've always really uh, related to Ted. <laughs> Because I've always been like, it's like, yeah, I f- feel like I'm very much a confident person. And then when I'm actually in the situation where I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, anxiety <laughs> takes over. So then I'm like, I really relate to him. Plus, just the is he's in this movie, he smokes weed and he finds old pornos and puts them on. And I was like, yep, if, that's what I would be doing. Other All the other people are having sex. And I'm like, what are these old what are these old like film reels that we found? Let's see what's on them. As he's just like laughing at it, but we'll we'll get into that. So uh, the kids drive past. I love that Pamela Voorhees has a a gravestone essentially right by the road. I yeah, love I love it. Fuck. Like randomly, not even. I mean, I think they they try to establish it's a graveyard, but I, I mean, is it really? Because it seems like it's just on the side of the road down the old highway one that's that's the kind of shit too where it's just like who's who whose decision was that because that's a terrible decision just why why is she buried just why is she buried at all to begin with this is a person that murdered a bunch of like and she has a family she, she an unmarked grave yeah because you know correct me if i'm wrong but isn't uh, a gravestone something has to be purchased and sort of engraved mm-hmm. with a message and then bought a plot of land i mean just seems like a lot uh, for somebody who clearly didn't have anything else Besides I mean, her son Jason. Hermit Jason was selling weed to be able to afford that tombstone. And so when he <laughs> saw this lady eating a banana on top of it, he was like, what? You're dishonoring my poor mother? I'm going to murder you. Now, I'm making this up, but can we both agree that this exact kill seems like uh, an add-in only because it makes no sense and it's really weird that this like random chick, I, I like it because that's a body count, but I, I have this weird feeling that somebody's like, hey, we need a, a couple more kills and they, they throw this chick in because she doesn't talk. And I remember it's really weird because you think that she would based on just how aggressive she is with a, a painted sign that says like, fuck you or fuck off. Mm-hmm. And I like the kill because when it, she gets stabbed, it's getting a little more aggressive. You notice it's, it's, like, so a little, good. it's like a little sawing effect and I was like, ah, but it's a I weird mean, the different character. elements. Oh yeah. I mean, I would agree with that, but like the different elements of the kill itself is what I think works so well because the uh it's got it's got um 
like her grabbing the banana, like scrap, like and squeezing it while we also have banana coming out of her mouth. Yeah. And then the process, like just so many elements that I think just work really well. And when we, one thing that I remember complaining about a lot and even the second one was just the too many cuts, like the person dies and then it's just immediate cut. So this, I like that we got a little bit more of, I was going to make me sound like a crazy person, but a little bit more of like the pain and anguish. Cause it's yeah. like, that's, that's, that's kind of what makes the, makes the kills more interesting. It makes them have more weight. Her squeezing bananas is somebody literally suffering. And though, yeah. you know, and, and the thing is, is obviously it's out of focus, but not too much is that as she's squeezing banana, like blood's dripping down her shirt. So like it, it's mm-hmm. at least aesthetically, it, it, it's doing two things at once. And, you know, like I said, it's really random and, and it's really there to add the kills, but fuck it. That's what I want. And I love the fact that we're, we're sort of snapping pacing here. It's like, okay, let's not go too far without a kill. Uh, well, it, and it makes sense, yeah. but it makes sense too. Cause it's like, if I, if I get this script, I'm like, Hey, so there's no kills in here, but also Jason is on his way back from the, more to crystal lake so like he's on a journey there we need to have him kill someone on that journey so like it it makes sense that's always the reason that i've i've thought it's it's aesthetically a weird choice in terms of just her popping up out of nowhere getting killed immediately and like the humor of the banana but logically it's always made a lot of sense to me so i think that that's kind of uh made me forgive kind of the the other stuff that doesn't make sense about it <laughs> no no yeah yeah because because jason is doing the long walk back from where, wherever the morgue is you know walking walking through the woods i mean like it's it, you know i almost wish there was more that's my yeah. issue is like uh follow him for a minute just uh but you know it doesn't matter because kill a, kill a drifter like uh in the last two movies or i guess he didn't kill anyone's third one but I realized where they make up for that is the amazingly aggressive nudity that just kind of stacks up for like a little 20 minutes after, you know, there's that whole, one of the best things in the movie though, because really not too far after this is where they, all the teens decide to just get naked at like 2 PM and jump in this dirty lake. <laughs> I love it. The, the double mint twins. Oh, that's okay. not really, that's not really what they are, but that's always what they're referred to of course, as in the, the community. Double mint twins are on a bike in a commercial. I completely see it. Yeah, and they're they're so they're like just so ridiculously hot. I mean, it's all the girls in this movie are very cute. Yeah, the brunette, just, I love her. Yeah, just absurd. And we, I guess we didn't even really name name drop Trish, but Trish is one of the best final girls too. She's um, Tommy Jarvis's sister. No, I, I so agree. I guess Trish Jarvis. Is, <laughs> I guess I've never thought about that. I guess it is Trish Jarvis. <laughs> It's probably Patricia on their birth certificate, but yes. But no, she she's good. Very eighties. Yeah. I love that the, the car breaks down, and that she has her like eight year old brother fix the screwdriver and not and I'm like, what? Why? You know, he goes, shows, and she's like, it's fixed. Shows how on top of things he is. Uh, no. He's just he's the man. Because I mean, I like they make a little Corey Feldman. He's pretty much Tom Savini. Yeah, because all the masks do. are Tom Savini's. Yeah. Yeah, which I like, and I love. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he gets all giddy, seeing the the yes. like Judy Aronson. That's uh, Samantha. She starts changing, and he's just the excitement that he goes through. He like he he 
can't even contain himself because he's like, oh my God, I'm going to see boobs. See, yeah. this, is, this is amazing. And in person, technically. It is really authentic. I actually wrote that in my notes that um, like his excitement, I, I don't, I can't say that I, I have done that, but I do remember feeling that as a kid. I remember feeling that, like seeing a movie where there were, were, like, where there were boobs in it. Mm-hmm. I remember that that I just I remember that. So it's like that is a very authentic performance. I'm actually very impressed because it's it's innocent, but exactly what a 10 year old. I called him eight, but I know he's old. He's probably 12 year olds at this point or whatever. But like a 10 to 12 year old boy, that's exactly what they would feel. And how, like that energy is 100 percent correct. 100 mm-hmm. percent, especially in there where like, you know, the, the only way he could see a Ted is probably through a playboy that he'd have to he'd have to somehow get a hold of. Yes, which I mean, this is a little bit of an aside, but even for the Home Alone film, when when Kevin, little Macaulay Culkin, has to finger through the Playboy, they specifically glued all the naked pages down so that he couldn't like, like when he looked through, he didn't accidentally see a boob. <laughs> so it's oh, like that's that's uh, the kind of era we're dealing with here. Uh, how how American, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like come on, let him see a boob. Come on. God forbid we can watch a guy get blown up, but no tips. <laughs> it's always how it works. But I, I do love the, because we've talked about the horniness in these movies, and this one absolutely belongs with two and five as being the horniest of the series. It's funny. I, I remember it being, you know, very, uh, I remember being horny enough, but for some reason this rewatch, it seemed more, I don't know, maybe I was focusing more on it than the kills, but yeah. Because from the the girl getting undressed in the window with Corey Feldman to essentially the like would have been orgy if if fucking Jarvis and his sister didn't stop by. You know, everybody's like taking off the clothes and skinny dipping. Like I said, like 2 p.m. It's like they're all drunk yeah. at like night. I'm like, oh, no, it's like midday. They're like, hey, <laughs> naked, let's go. I'm like, ooh, I like you. Everything about that, though, where it's like, it's just if. It, the vibes of it just work so well because I assume they have to be like college. I assume co- on a break from college, that's always the the vibe I've gotten. And I just I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm past this point in my life where this kind of thing would happen. But I just I'm looking back on it. I'm like, yep, that this is this is just an enjoyable an enjoyable enjoyable thing to I don't know see represented not an enjoyable thing to actually live through yourself because then all of the nonsense that then comes with it but uh i like i like the uh coziness of this film and i think a lot of that has to do with the hangout ability of the cast you're right they they feel a little more at ease um i don't think there are any where near developed is, um, you know, uh, people would say, I don't, I don't really, besides Glover and, uh, uh, the lead check. What? what about the, you have the whole, there's the whole love triangle that's going on. I this mean, weird, strange I mean, love triangle. I, I don't that, buy it, but it's charming. I'll give you that. It's very charming. Cause I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I'll admit right off the bat that, I actually got confused as a kid and I thought that the twin there was I thought there was one horny twin and one prude the whole time like and I thought that for a long time 
And then I think a couple years ago, I finally realized like, oh, no, it isn't the one girl that gets turned down. She turned down by the guy with the girlfriend. She then is the one that leaves and gets stabbed outside the house. Yeah. It's I I have always mixed the two up and been like, no, no, no. There's just the one horny one. And then there's the <laughs> one that just doesn't want really to do with anyone. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I do think that they do a good job with that. So it's like I. There's the there's the Ted aspect where Ted thinks he's such a such a stud and a ladies man. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, he doesn't really have have uh, the moves that he thinks he has. And then. So then Crispin ends up being so much more uh, appealing to one of the twins. And then the, just the weird element, too, with uh, the that super the super innocent girl and Donnie, the Donnie Osmond looking motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of, let's see what the names are. I'm so bad. I'm so bad at names, dude. I don't know. No, I don't know what the Sarah, Sarah is the one of the names, Sarah and someone else, Sarah and Doug. I like them because they have that cute little, like, the I I believe in their little meet cute and their little interactions and I like that when you think that she's going to be like a potentially innocent and like the the virgin final girl she gives it up like moments like that I think work really well in this I don't disagree I I mean I like the cast I like the cast a lot um I also think they're just in a more interesting movie I think that helps and I think yeah. you know. I'm not the biggest kid fan when it comes to <laughs> movies, but I mean, dude, Feldman was at his, his uh, I mean, he was a, maybe the start of the peak, but basically it was like, what, this, uh, then it went to the Goonies. Um, yeah, the reason that he couldn't do part five was because of Goonies. Yeah, so it's like, Those. and and of course, uh, Fright Night, not Fright Night, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Gremlins. No, Gr- Gremlins. Gremlins. Yeah, Lost Boys. Lost Boys is what I'm actually thinking of. I keep, I don't know, I'm just thinking of Fright Night. Yeah, dude, it's like the, the Feldman run, dude. And and him as a kid was quite charming. Like he had yeah. he had that sort of like the Macaulay Culkin sass, you know, like that confidence, that 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 nerdy dorkiness that was also wise. Of course, he's fixing I don't know something with a, uh, a screwdriver, maybe the carburetor. I, I don't think so, but it doesn't matter. He yeah. just as a because he's not the main teens; he's just the side guy that kind of comes in the end, but. Even the kid aspect is good, and I think that says a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, they. I remember one of the producers talks about just how they knew Corey was such a star, and I mean, we talk about the him seeing seeing Samantha undressing in the window, and it's like that moment, like all the things that he does in that scene, just shows of like he just is understand he uh, he understands the assignment. Whenever yes. they, whatever they need from him in a frame, he just gets it intuitively. So that makes all the difference. And it's a, it's a big reason why a lot of child actors then kind of fall out because at a certain point, once you reach a certain age, that's expected of everyone. So it's like you're, you're one of your big advantages is then like, every single person that is on, you go on an audition has that same like advantage of like, yeah, you need to be able to, you know, give what the, the 
director wants in any in, in any oh, yeah. singular moment. And, yeah, and also though, child you know, actors suck most of the time. And when child actors good, it's it's because of charm. But like that charm doesn't actually translate into older years. It, like an older yeah. charm is a different charm than a kid charm. And I think that's a hard thing too. You know, like uh, uh, look at like Haley Joel Osment. You know, he's done some stuff now and he's, he's good. Dude, I, I was Edward Furlong, I would say, is a better example because Haley Joel Osma has really, he's really embraced the fact that he's like short and like a little pudgier. But I'm so saying he's that really they, but leaned now, into the comedy. Yes, now, but there was a whole midsection where he disappeared. So I'm saying that like it took him a while yeah. to kind of find his, his new who am I exactly. And, and the funny yeah. thing you mentioned Earl, Edward Furlong is Edward Furlong is not like a, essentially a pudgy stoner. So like, that's his Avenue back, you know, <laughs> he's not like a, a tough high voice little, like, uh, you know, uh, rabble rouser. He's, he's essentially where he was. Your husband is right now. It's like, jump back in, buddy. He's like, Hey, how you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to look at where we're at in this. Um, Oh, the the core the not Corey but the Crispin Glover dance. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely good. iconic, and this is the first time. It's funny that we were just talking, um, the Lost Boys because the music that, like, that he puts on, almost sounds like the saxophone music from the Lost Boys. <laughs> I, like, I guess. Oh no! Boom, 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 boom. Oh no! That's the thing I always think of. The, oh no! Boom, I mean, it's. Boom, 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 boom. I think it really we're works. Gonna get, so we're going to copyright strike because of that brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your voice. It works because they think he <laughs> leans into the dorkiness, and and obviously, Crispin Glover isn't. He's almost like kind of like how Gary Busey was after the accident, where. <laughs> how much was actually acting and how much is just who you are. I think this is a good yeah. example of how much is this is, is him being a character and how much he's leaning in. Cause you, I'm sure you've watched a lot of interviews with Crispin Glover, but um, anything like post 2001, uh, at least that I've seen, I, I didn't watch too much early stuff because I feel like there's a certain youthness that you can get away with. But as like an adult, he's fucking strange. Um, and I'm sure yeah. it's always been strange, but that, that kind of shows you that like he's fully just always out there. So I'm sure half of this is just him being him. They've, I, they've said that if this is the same kind of dance moves that you would, if you saw Crispin at a club in the eighties, this is, this is what you would be getting. He wasn't, wasn't trying to do anything or, and I remember too, I think it's back in black was what he actually was listening to was what was on set playing. It's one, yeah, yeah, which is weird to think of because then it's like, it's not, I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a common timing. So then they used it. They're like, ah, we'll, we'll never clear this. But like, you would think just, this is where I'll bash Joseph Zito because it's like, you got to think a little more so of your movie because you need, you, you, you automatically know that this would not clear. So why on earth would, would you, you ever, it? yeah, ever have him dancing to it? Which I, I say that like, oh, it must have the same like time, a popular no, time signature. I, I doubt that was even, yeah, I don't even think that was thought through, which should have been because then what you get is this where then it, he's 
doing all this crazy shit that then doesn't match the beat most of the time and just makes it all the stranger. But it it's what makes the, what makes it so amazing. I love that that clearly the director was must I'm assuming a big fan of ACDC, right? I mean, like, and that must be, and that like you know the introduction of Brian Johnson had to be like a, in his movie, and then he could afford it, and that's just this stupid A song where, I mean, at least. We could say that Crispin Glover's dance is so awkward and off that even if I put Back to Black over that scene, it still doesn't match. So I think that's probably the saving grace. Yeah, I think they do it in like Crystal Lake Memories or some special because that's, I believe, where it's that information is revealed. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it still doesn't really match. So but they have on one of these. There's so many different things that have been released over the years, but on one of these things, they have Crispin dancing for, I want to say, 90 seconds. It's just him. It's uncut, just <laughs> him doing his thing. And it's amazing. It's, it's so, so funny. And it's also a thing too, where you can kind of see, like kind of see that he's starting to lose steam at one point and doesn't like is kind of figure stuff out. And then I, I, I clearly remember him. Like it was like a laugh, like, okay, that's it. I don't have any more. <laughs> it's just done. Yeah. But it, it's, it sets up every, it kind of sets up the, like you said, the, uh, the love triangle or at least the fact that yes. it just like starts like starts like partnering off and then the our friend is is obviously not uh not as skilled as he believes himself to be well but i want to i really want to talk about this love triangle because it has blown my mind since childhood okay they yeah. are they are a couple right like this what samantha and this other dude they're a couple yes jimmy not jimmy no jimmy is I had all of this stuff out and then these damn the uh the IMDBs for Friday the 13th are terribly laid out. I don't understand cuz it's just oh it's cuz it's just how the credits are from how the film lists them so they're all over the place. But regardless this couple they they don't seem to have any problems. They're they had sex the night before that we saw the beginning of they seem to like each other so like what the fuck is happening where they're like doing this aggressive dance, dance. yes uh, uh, the 80s i don't know i mean the <laughs> 70s were kind of swingish maybe uh we're still in that sort of vibe i wasn't around because what's her face i don't know the girl the cute little brunette then goes out by herself in the middle of the night to then take a far yes, close and yeah and she's i think that's my she's vibe. From, dude, she's from Weird Science. Well, that's why I like her. Oh, yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Well, that makes sense because I've always thought she, I, like, that's my type of girl. So the oh, fact that she comes and gets naked for no reason alone in the night and then swims out to a fucking raft, I'd be like, okay, why not? Why not? I'll tell you too. Absolutely gorgeous still. And I actually just saw her. She is in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> Because I'm like, hey, it's Judy Aronson. Holy shit. No shit. I didn't know. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. How, how the hell do you know her name? <laughs> Good for she you. Is fr- she is friends with Barbara Crampton. And so I see her on Barbara Crampton's okay. Instagram a lot. So I'm that just, is why. Because then I'm like, oh, Weird Science. Friday the 13th 4. I had, I had a huge crush on her from Weird Science, though. And probably this movie as well. I mean, God, Weird Science was, you know. I think every every boy had like a slight sexual awakening watching that movie. Oh my god, Kelly LeBrock is just 
which is something else in that movie. I will watch that film every six months, I feel. It is one of those movies for me. I mean, let's, let's give credit to fucking the, the great uh, Chicagoan, Mr. Um, John Hughes, for just having the, like, the greatest run of any sort of like non-genre director that was just like, ah, oh, let's just make fun uh, teen comedies. Yeah, he, I mean, his run is nuts. It's pretty much through Home Alone 2, I think is when it ends. Yeah, because he, yes, yes, I, I, yeah. Yeah, because he falls off. I remember there's some, a lot of shit after, I was kind of shocked to see some of the stuff that he was involved with later on. Probably thinks like, it, it, it's one of those things where he just took what he can get. You know, like, he, once you become uncool, I mean, maybe now with social media, you can kind of have a following, but back then, once you're out, you're out, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is true. I remember, because he did, oh, Drill Bit Taylor. Yeah, that's not, not, a, not a good one. Well, it's just the story, because he was dead by then. But just visiting, screenplay, Beethoven's third, yeah. Not Flubber. Oh, well, Flubber yep. is the 90s. So that must have been one of his last ones. Or, because I think Beethoven came before Flubber. Oh, yeah, it did just before. So it would have been Beethoven, then Home Alone 2. It was the same year. Oh, I did Dennis the Menace. I actually did like Dennis, Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace. Uh, but no, after that, it's like, it even, I, mean, I like Dennis the Menace, but it's not one of his best. That's, you know, <laughs> it's just more of a uh, nostalgic bait. But yeah, yeah Dense Menace, Beethoven Second, Baby Stay Out, 101 Dimensions, Flubber. It's like, yeah, dude, his, his early 90s was the end. But dude, who fucking cares? Who cares? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he gave us, he gave us Weird Science and um, a bunch of amazing movies. So I'll, that's vacation, fine. Vacation, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Come on, dude, Uncle Buck. Christmas then, vacation. Ah. I, I know this isn't the John Hughes Dutch. podcast, but I am also very curious as to why he just like stopped directing in 91. Like, very weird. I, I, I like all of these hits, and then it's like, yep. Yeah, then he just was a screenwriter. Maybe he just didn't want to be on set. Could be. I don't know. I, I also feel that I feel things were just different back then. I thought I think things were more cutthroat because now you could reach out to your fans. You could have a, a little fan club and kind of survive off that. I think back then, man, is one of those. I remember there's an interview with um, Jeff Daniels. Uh, I forget mm-hmm. where it's on. It's, it's black and white, but he was basically saying that his like you know, back in like the eighties, his his I don't know, agent was like, "Hey man, you got about X amount of years, and then you're done. Doesn't matter what happens. Like once you're like once you're not it, pack him and go home." And so like uh, he was saying like you know he like he kind of took that to heart. Like okay, there's gonna be a day where they you, they don't want you, and at that time you just you, you that was it. You might take a small role or end up on TV or some shit, but that like you had a fin- a, fi- a finite ending. Yeah, I mean, one of the Friday the 13th stars that Peter Barton, the guy who looks like Donny Osmond, if you look at his IMDb, I mean, he was he was in a lot of stuff, like just a lot of random things on TV and then retired in 2005. Like uh, done restless. Well, he at least he was smart enough to do uh, the soaps. 208 episodes yeah. so like he made yeah. he, he got some money back and then yeah just retired yeah i have a lot more respect for soap actors these days because i'm just like yep good for you like you're able to act and make a living <laughs> like, yeah it's essentially the it's the office job of the entertainment industry yeah very much so and heck they weren't affected by the strikes they were able to keep on going 
was not uh not something like something with stra with a sag contract uh they were still allowed to do like soap operas well, i'm glad a mom is home at 2 p.m and it's something to do god bless dude yeah kept my grandma entertained she loves those so heck that's the only reason that she was very excited when i interviewed barbara crampton because she knows barbara crampton from the young and the restless yeah because after the 80s that's how she survived she basically took the the soap route for a long time until i think she came back with uh we're still here or no it was um we're you're next i believe right maybe yeah, one or two yeah. i forget i'm, I'm maybe mixing both those up but yeah, because I, I think I talked to her once for um, Jacob's wife, and she basically said, like, you know, she did soaps for a while to stay afloat, and then she, like, just stepped away to have her kids. She is an absolute sweetheart, and, like, I cannot say enough good things about Barbara Crampton, and the fact that she, I know that then she opened up to you like that in an interview, I'm like, that is amazing. <laughs> because that's, that's the same kind of vibes I got from her. I had to cut out a lot in my interview, because there was stuff where I'm like, I don't know if she wants this out there. Nah, it was a cool check, and you know she's she's like back. I, I love, and this is something I think we could both agree on. Like, I will agree that I think women have a harder time like getting roles in their older age. Um, you know, just because most people want to see like young and hot. I completely get it. Like, you could have uh, Dan DeVito, but you know, for chicks, women. I'm sorry, chicks. dude. <laughs> I just watched Deck the Halls with a with a buddy. Dan, it was Danny DeVito and his paired wife was Kristen Chenoweth. Like that's the kind of ageism and random shit that, that, that goes on in Hollywood. It's just the name of like, the game. But Crampton is, is, is like, has been kicking ass. Like I said, I think it was, we still, we, we are still here. And yeah. then you're next. I believe those are the two that kind of brought her in. And I love that she's on like a second career uh, resurgence. You know, I love she it. Is, she is the whole reason she championed suitable flesh and found the director, found Joe Lynch because it was a. It they was worked a together before, right? Yeah, but they had worked together on something before. And she, because uh, she was doing, because uh, Stuart Gordon, the reanimator guy. He was supposed to do suitable flesh and he passed away, unfortunately. And so like Barbara is the one that championed that and found the people. And so it's like she is more than just a fucking uh, pretty face and a good actress. Because no, no. which is funny. I actually I was going to save this for a different conversation, but I, I, I had watched that last night for the first time. Suitable flesh. I'm going to get in before uh, the, the year. So we're, uh, we're going to talk about this uh, another time. No, Absolutely, because no, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on that. But yeah, we need to get back into yes, Friday the 13th Part Four. There's people watching us, like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude? Come on!" Listening, listening. They can't. <laughs> they can't ah. see anything. <laughs> There's, there might be a symbol. All right, come on. That's true. That's true. We're not. We're not uh, used to this audio only spiel. But we'll get. We'll get there. We're only four in at this point. But okay, so we're at the, pretty much at the point where it's just the the part I love in these films where. It is just death, 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 death. And then our lead comes in and finds it. It seems to be a a trope that gets repeated many times in these movies. And I love it. So, you know, names better, but my my girlfriend gets naked and swims out into the raft in the middle of the night, a foggy night. Yes, Samantha. For no good reason. Um. Unless I'm missing something. I always just thought that her exit was, I don't know, just 
to get her killed. But I, I like yeah, that. She, no, she's mad. She's mad at her boyfriend and she's like, I'm going to, which okay, also like, I, I kind of agree with what she's doing. Cause it's like, she's so obviously trying to get her boyfriend to just come out with her immediately. But he's the dummy that then doesn't pick up on it immediately. <laughs> well, guys, I mean, as a guy, come on. It's sometimes it's hard. I mean, I would understand that. But also these they're like 20 years old. Do you remember how horny you were at that age? Like, come on. He's going to he's going to give up. I don't know, a sure thing for this twin that is just going to ruin his relationship. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, fair like, enough. I don't, okay. But I'm I've saying that, like, that. what does make sense is why she's naked in the raft. Like, because she's, she said she was going to go skinny dipping. I know, she, but I don't, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's like, you could be like, hey, come outside. I just, I, yeah, and it's not a fault of the movie because everybody does this, but I never understood skinny dipping alone in the middle of the night in a dark, scary lake. I just, it's, it, it's something that I'll always laugh. I'll laugh at it and have fun with it. But it is the first logical thing that I'm always like, why you met your boyfriend and you're going to swim out like far out to this fucking raft. I mean, it's cool though, because it gives me something awesome. It's, it's, it's one of those, it doesn't make sense, but it, what I get is better because it doesn't cause she's yeah. naked in this raft and, get, and we got that great kill. One, I think one of my favorite kills, cause I think it's very, yeah. very atmospheric. Yeah, it's so well done and just I love the I love the how it's shot. It's just framed really well and I'm still going to fight you on the whole it not making sense because I don't know. I I kind of view it as the whole you go to the bathroom and you come out and up the the person you're with is naked display like displayed out on the bed. It's a similar thing. I mean, sure. Like, but that would make sense. This guy has to traverse like half through the jungle. I, I guess in my head it's closer than, than it probably actually is. So I, I don't know. I guess I'll give it to you, but I, I've always been like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm, being, nit- I'm being nitpicky. I'm, I'm admitting that. I don't think it's, I don't think I have a solid argument. I'm just making the argument that I always think of like, you know, that, uh, these movies, that's the only thing that always sticks out of me. Like, you want to go look for somebody with a flashlight? Fine. Fucking people get lost. Well, but- and I'm sure fucking Judy Aronson would have liked it to not be happening because I know the filming, this was an absolutely miserable experience. Because was it cold? Cold? It's always cold, isn't it? Cold as fuck. And Joseph Zito was an asshole to the point that Ted White had to be like, no, we're not filming anymore. Get this girl under some fucking blankets and heat it up like he so for and ted white is the guy who played jason so he had to step in because joseph zito was so fucking in his own head about the shot which by the way as much as i would blame that on joseph zito as well because he needs to be more aware producers on set are that's one of the things that they're there for is actor safety and getting things done like time right yeah and like not giving like been like essentially keeping the director in line of like hey no those you can't do that it's the same thing of like lunch breaks producer calls lunch and a lot of the time the director fucking hates it because they're like god damn it we're halfway through a scene because if the director could have the way their way they would fucking skip lunch and then take the penalty yeah nobody gets fucking lunch yeah yeah so like that kind of thing like you need people to step in so 
this thankfully Friday part two had Ted White and he is such a badass or I think was I, he may have passed at this point but regardless absolute badass for what he did oh yeah yeah of course was he in I feel like I should know this this was his only uh, credit as Jason actually right yes we do not have many uh, repeat customers outside of Kane Hodder yeah, and technically Ken Kurzinger because. But yeah, but he was a, a cook once in Jason. Nah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he he was. I don't think they've ever clarified what he's what he doubled for Jason in part eight. Because I know that, oh, like, I know he's. They've said like he was a double, but it's like they haven't said specifically. Because I assume because of the bad, the weirdness between him and Kur, between Kurzinger and Hotter. I mean, he's the, the cook, though. They get started against the mirror. Yes, least, so yes, he's, he's he is. Movie, but yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying of like, I don't know what, like, what else he is, because uh, he was Jason at one point in that film. So it's like, I don't know what scene. Probably something where he had a fall. You know, I, I can't see them using a stunt double for a walking scene. So I had to be like, yeah, something. I don't know. I never, I never yeah. heard. Are they still, I, I thought they made up. I thought like they're cool now. Oh, I no, no, no. I think they're yeah, I think they're fine. I'm just saying in terms there is still like a lot of that in the fan base of people being like putting them up against each other. And I think Which he is, is absolutely still offended at the fact that he wasn't chosen. But I don't think he puts that on Ken Kersinger. No, you know, I, I've, I've only said like two. Um, what are they called? Uh, fuck, what's it called? Um, when people like, when you want to like change something. uh uh, amend i don't know no no you know when people get like a thing and you sign it to try to get something changed can't think of it but basically when um kane was announced he wouldn't be taking over like there's a this document going around you would sign it and they were sending it to they were sending it to um new line cinema to try to get it changed like basically uh a, not a survey but fuck what's it called where like everybody signed something it's like hey a petition petition i signed a petition to get <laughs> kane hotter to, to get the Jason role for Freddy vs. Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that was a big deal. Yeah, I was pissed. I, I still to this day, I'm like, yeah, it's it's uh, not as good because it's not the correct Jason. No, so. and, and 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 I blame this on the director, but uh, um, the movements of Jason and that is is not Jason at all. I I always say, you know, when people bitch about the Rob Zombie Halloweens because uh, Michael Myers is too aggressive. I'm like, no, absolutely. You're right. Rob Zombie put Jason Voorhees in a Michael Myers mask, but very first Jason, we put fucking Michael Myers in a Jason mask because he walked slow and steady and he didn't make any sort of crazy movements. It was very like, uh, methodical. Um, yeah. And uh, outside of Kane Hodder, this is a good example of this one, Ted White, Jason's aggressive. Like it's not yes. hotter level, but he's, he's definitely showing more emotion than we've been used to. And I think that's why I, I gravitate towards this one a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite Jasons and he's only in this one. That's, I think that shows of how much his performance works and there's a meanness in almost everything that he does. Every little motion. I mean, all of these kills. Because he goes from killing Samantha to then essentially all the, all the couples, yeah, the well, and all the couples pair off. So then people separate, and yeah, the boyfriend comes out to investigate, which 
the spear I've gun always, in his gut or dick. Yeah, I've always I've always liked and. Also, I want to bring up that this is like the only time that he Jason's in the water. He always well, other than when he obviously in part six, like when he's like trapped in the water and like he goes out there. But otherwise, he doesn't really go in the water. It's just funny because Jason's kind of known for like being the first one in that fucker, you know? Uh, which Shit. in the in the game it's like a whole it's a whole uh mechanic where you can like essentially just go super fast yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly because like water's your friend yeah 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 it's a good point but but like you said earlier uh jason's essentially waiting in that water for what's his face to swim on out check it mm-hmm. out you know it's 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 not a thing a dude's doing um yeah that's a zombie at least at at least he's not alive in this realm he's not fully in the realm of what of 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 existence we know it this motherfucker is not just a a living breathing uh hick from upstate new york i mean or jersey i'm sorry his his fingernails are black like he's like he's pretty much rotting i mean and we we'll see his face later but like that man is a zombie <laughs> i will i will not hear anything otherwise if you think he's a zombie you can feel free to comment or send in viewer mail whatever and i will disagree with you wholeheartedly so will lance if he's not a zombie yeah. if he's not i'm gonna say yeah. i'm dead because i'm gonna save zombie for sex but yes and what I, I will say is we're, we're continuing on. I do like the character we mentioned earlier. I'm, again, I'm not good at names, especially these movies, because I'm, I'm a Jason guy anyway. But what's his face? Whose sister was uh, killed by Jason? Rob. Rob. And he has the machete and he has the tent and shit. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a scene I liked it. Like, he thinks he hears Jason or, or what he believes to be some sort of distress. And he grabs machete, uh, leaving a great old fashioned rifle, a long range deadly weapon in the tent. He's like, he looked at the rifle. He looked at the uh, machete, looked back at the rifle. He's like, okay, I got to be safe. Let's grab the machete. <laughs> it's like, what's the point of, what is the point of even bringing that gun? If the moment that something seems off, you immediately just abandon the gun. Uh, it's really what the gun is for is that if, 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 if something's popping off, you need that motherfucker next to you, you know, and he leaves. I love that he grabs machete. It's my favorite thing. It's like, okay, so best you can do is three feet. Like you need to get real. You got you to get in the pocket, buddy. Come on. Come on. When I, th- I think he mentions too something about bears. So if it's not Jason, then it might be a bear. And I'm going to tell you, a machete ain't doing shit against a bear. No, you need that gun. The rifle is probably not doing much, but at least you have a chance. Yeah, it's just funny that he like leaves. Scare it off. Yeah, the rifle and the scope, he leaves it in the tent. I don't know. I, it's, it's a part that I love because clearly uh, this machete is going to be used later on. It, they're setting, essentially, yeah. it's setting up the machete. I love it. Chekhov's gun yeah. once again, you know? Yeah. Well, and you you know who the sister is supposed to be, right? Who Rob's sister is? Who? It is the cute girl Sandra from Part Two that gets speared through while her boyfriend is porking her. Oh, the little uh, that kind of reverse uh, bacon. Yeah, that one. That's oh, that's cute. her. Oh, yeah. I'm bad at names, but that's awesome. But I like that idea. Um, and I think they've, they've done it a couple times, or at least... Even though, even though when you pick it apart, because part three takes place just after part two, 
and part four picks up just after part three. Yet Rob treats it like it's been years. It's been days Days. since his sister's dead. Fair enough, but I like the idea. I'm willing to forgive it because the idea to me is cooler, which is a man out for revenge. You know, I I like it's uh, like, what is it? The Duke? And I don't like the Mm -hmm. movie, but in uh, Ghost to Hell, I like the idea of somebody that's like, okay, I'm going to get this motherfucker. And and Rob could have been it. He could have been. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I almost texted you this. I'm actually really looking forward to Jason Goes to Hell because I usually hate, I usually, I usually don't rewatch it. So it's something where I'm like, oh, yeah, when I look like when I like I'm thinking of these movies, it's like, yeah, that's the one where I'm like, oh, yeah, I never rewatch it ever. So this will actually be be entertaining especially oh, and, when I know I can take it like take it apart with you. And the one that we have on our box set, I believe, to be the first time it's been unrated or at least the, the scenes have been end back in. Yes, yes. And the unrated is the only way to watch that film. That sleeping the tent death is a abomination in the R-rated version. So. It's funny. They I don't, cut it entirely. I feel like when I got the set, I skipped those scenes and I didn't rewatch the movie because I'm an ass. But now I am definitely willing to go back. Well, I don't have to, but I'm excited to go back yeah. and actually figure this out. Yeah, it's 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 so much better. And so the the boyfriend dies, and then we get it's essentially the the one who the twin who's or well i guess crispin goes and gets laid which is a nice little twist that we're not expecting because it seems like that i will why would this guy ever get laid yeah when the twins is uh all about him and yeah and good for it's him just, yeah. yeah that's that's like a that's a fun fun change and uh i like how the twin just is very upset and leaves and the whole the silhouetted kill works really well. It, it's really well shot. The, the tension of it, the mystery of it, it's like, oh, is she going to get away? And there, with how little it shows, it does feel more violent than it actually is just because of her body being pushed up against the house. And again, Zito, man, like this is the cine- more cinematic. It is. And that's a yes. good example. Yeah. Because you don't, it, it's, it's more hinted at, but in a way, at least it doesn't feel as cheap as, uh, you know, some of the, the cut to kills that we see in part two and three. Um, one thing, though, that this is reminding me is that the, one of the issues in the Prowler was the, I'll call it the Sean Cunningham effect, where the camera just is rolling and just following people for way too long, where it's like, ah, we don't. We don't, it shouldn't, there should be more inserts in here. Like there shouldn't, it shouldn't just be this wide shot this whole time. But whereas where Cunningham, it's like all very flat shots. And in the Prowler, Zito's, these people are coming in and out of shadow and it's like much more dynamic and more interesting. So like having that in mind and then with here, like I, it's no wonder that this is this is the best directed film that we've gotten so far and i loved i loved how part two was directed but this actually feels like someone who really knows what they're doing it's the first time where jason feels authentically jason i think one through three were they all work in some way you know they all have their issues but i think for the most part we, we like them because we there's really not too much of a bad movie in this series no but i felt or I feel, because let's talk in present tense, 
that this is the first time where it all kind of comes together. Like all the elements mm-hmm. were there in the in one to three. And Zito and the writer, are, and I'm sure half it's luck, in all honesty, in this kind of fucking series. But it's, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like going forward, the elements that are in part four, the final chapter, are what's sort of repeated and tweaked and changed and, and, and embellished. I feel this is the sort of template that the series will kind of use going forward. And I think a lot of that has to do with reaction. I know that when this came out, it was pretty immediate of, oh yeah, this is the best, this is the best, uh, best Jason. And same with, uh, part when part six came out, it's pretty widely. It's like, ah, this is the best Jason. It's like, I think then there's always, there's always like a, well, this is what worked. So then when, you know, part eight didn't, didn't, uh, appeal to people, they're like, ah, what worked about things? And they tried, they were like, oh, we're going to do, because they originally were actually going to do something back at uh, Crystal Lake. And then Sean Cunningham got them rights back. And well, I should say, because of Jason Takes Manhattan, Paramount was just like, ah, we're, we're finally done with this. Well, they didn't even like to begin with. They just made the money. Never. They were embarrassed by it. So yeah, they gave, they gave it up. Yeah. Yeah. So then Cunningham was like, oh, hey, we can, uh, we can do something completely insane at this point and not do not follow anything that we, has come before. And that didn't work at all. But then Jason X still the stuff they still they go crazy. But I still think that like that Jason is still the same Jason from final like the final chapter. Absolutely. So there is still that through line. And, and I should say this. I, I should get out on the, the World Wide Web. Well, I think I've done it before, but I'm going to do it here. I am not a purist, and I actually am the one of the, the few people that hates the argument that Jason's always being Crystal Lake. He doesn't. Only because there's enough of that. I, I actually want Jason to diverse more, more landscapes. I really do, I think, especially this late in the series, and when people are essentially rooting for the killer. I think switch, switching up the, uh, the location is a very great idea. Still make it witty, smart, violent, you know, make sure it's meat, potatoes, nudity, kills, yada, yada. But I am not the person who's like, ah, it needs to be in the woods. Like, no, I don't give a shit. Put it in the south side of Chicago. I got my own prompts. I have fun. How about we go back to New York and do it right? You know? Yeah. Fucking put them in the snow. Put them in Michigan. You had some snow hills up there. I've, I've, I've skied it myself. Put them up there. But even, but even then, I view it as uh, I would want it to still fit that Friday the 13th formula. I wouldn't want it to be like Jason stalks a wintry neighborhood. I would want it to be Jason stalks a ski resort because then it's, you're getting similar vibes to the camp. It isn't, then it gives a different environment. I see. I would like both. I would like him in this suburb. I'd like, I like him anywhere. Honestly. But then you get that issue of the Freddy versus Jason where it's like, ah, get your Michael Myers out of my Jason. Well, I think that's betrayal. I think if you put Kate Hodder in that exact situation and made him a Kate Hodder chase, I think it'd be great. I mean, the cornfield's a, a really cool scene. And, and Ken Kinzinger, Kenzinger, I don't fucking know his last name. Ken Kurzinger. Kurzinger. Uh, he did fine. It's a cool scene. But it, imagine an exact scene in the cornfield with uh, Kate Hodder. You know? But again, yeah. I am, I'm not a purist. I've never been a purist. And if it will be a purist, it's not my personality. Um, I don't, I'm not saying don't have a part of them in the woods, but I actually think Jason being in different environments would keep it interesting at this point. 
But we've also had like uh, how how many years since we had a Jason movie? Two thousand nine. So really, uh, just give me anything, Christ. Just get, put them back in the fucking woods. Just give me a Jason movie, man. Yeah, and the only thing that's in development is that stupid Crystal Lake show that isn't even going to have proper Jason. So yeah, I, the fact that people are excited about that is depressing. But um, yeah, if it know. even happens, hope it does. Just give me a fucking movie, dude. Jason's yeah. not supposed. I don't need. This is one thing where like delving more into the character is a bad idea. Jason actually needs to be kind of generic. It's it's sort of the 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 love of them. I don't need to yeah. feel bad for his childhood is more than I do. Like, okay, poor guy drowned and now he's killing people. He's killed a lot of people that don't deserve it. And I'm on his side. Let's keep it that way. Don't tell me about his mom or his dad or it's like, I don't give a shit. I give a shit. You know, let's just yeah. stick to the form. Like Jason works because it actually tries to do very little. Yeah, I would concur with that. Well, let's, uh, let's keep going with through these kills. So next we had Essentially, it's uh, Crispin Glover getting the corkscrew. In the reverse. Ted, the where the hell's the corkscrew? Great Sam Raimi shot. I love how it looks. It's all reversed. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's. I it took me a long time. I never understood. I always thought that like his hand was getting like clamped down. You know those? They have those. They're like they're attached to um the side like the edges of tables, and you can put like cans in them and yeah, like I've stamp the, down the food industry. I know exactly the thing. Yeah, yeah. So that thing, uh, I for the longest time, I I thought it was that which like slammed on his hand, and then there was one point watching it as a kid where I'm like, I th- I think it was finally might have been teen years where I had dealt with a corkscrew more often, where it kind of connected the dots or i'm like wait a minute it's this that's going through dear god ah we and then the the i assume it's like more of a small knife not the actual machete that goes in his looks like uh, i think it's a a meat cleaver right yes yes so it's everything about it is brutal and then the fact that he gets crucified against the door frame just poor jimmy but let's let's go back to our conversation last episode. So Jason kills him and takes his body, has to hold against the door, shoulder him probably and, and, and brace him with his his non-dominant hand, then nail him the fucking one hand. Okay, then he's gonna drop a little, he's gonna then switch and has to shoulder him with his, his dominant side, hold him with his left hand, I'm assuming Jason's right hand, and then you know, and then nail him in and then shut the door, look around, you know, obviously make sure the work is done right. That'll do pig and leave. I, I love the idea that Jason has to have these moments of like actual artistic expression that that are so stupid, but because we never see them, they're awesome. And this is the same man that has just I mean, he doesn't he doesn't uh, he doesn't think things through to the point of like he's he's literally his thought his idea of stopping someone is putting a body in the way not i want to remind you he nailed this body in the way so he had access to nails it's like just just nail the door so this this guy is so fucked in the head that he's like or just so dumb that he's like uh uh let's see wood planks no ah i'll use jimmy's body And then remember later he like he like grabs and pulls him down and like the nails rip out of the hands, you know? Yes. 
I love it. Which I, I, love it. And I And I talk shit, but clearly it worked because Trish didn't go out that way. She opened the door and was like, ah, and then went, turned around. Well, it's convoluted, but we enjoy the fact that essentially, again, it's a little more artistic. I mean, he could be dumb, but still, it's probably harder to hold up a giant dead human man's body and nail on than it would have a plank of wood. So I kind of appreciate the fact that uh, he's not taking these way out. He's, he's thinking ahead. He's like, hey, I got to stop her. But like, what's also scary? You know, it's like a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it kind of that aspect kind of reminds me of Michael. Because Michael really likes to set up, set up displays. Motherfucker, you said that. And I was thinking like, I don't remember any part of the movie with uh, Bob Hoskins and John Travolta with any of this. And I was like, oh, you're talking about Michael Myers. I immediately was like, the angel from the mid-90s? You're the only person saying, <laughs> I, okay, from, from now on, I will make sure that I say Michael Myers, and not, not Austin Powers. <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm just saying, I immediately, because I, I guess I watched Michael not too long ago, it's a fantastic movie, and, and you're Is like, it? have you not seen Michael? Are you not a fan of, like, 90s dramas? I don't want to tell you, buddy. Dude, the one where he's an angel? Yeah, and he, like, he's, like, he has a gut, smokes cigarettes, and he's all just kind of grumpy and uh, has to fix uh, Andy McDowell. Are you a, and, uh, are you a, you a Meet Joe Black guy, too? No. Oh, okay. No, come on. Come on. Come on. I don't know. There's I would, a little more heart. Up. You're going to put fucking Michael against uh, Meet Joe Black? We're putting that I level? Say, I, I would say it's better. I would say Michael or Meet Joe Black is better for the car accident alone. Well, yes, because it's stupid, but... I, have you seen Michael? I feel like this is some Michael hype from a non-Michael watcher here. I have seen Michael. I watched it as a kid. And I was like, a fucking hell. I find it charming. I'm sorry. Find it charming. All right. Let's move on. Move on from Michael, because you're a crazy person. So then uh, Doug gets murdered. Doug gets... He's, uh, in, the, he's in the shower. And I like, I like too, he's like, he's like, oh, is that you, Ted? Oh, drop the soap, drop the soap, old Teddy boy. Get in here. A uh, har har har. <laughs> like, they they go so hard in the jokey side of it. Of like, we don't want anyone thinking that he is trying to hit on him. We want to really <laughs> lean into the fact that no, 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 this is one hundred percent jokey. <laughs> Cracked me up. Oh, the eighties. Oh on. yeah. What about? I was going to say, do we skip over? I think my fa- one of my favorite deaths is the one of the double twins when she looks out the window and it Jason. Oh, yeah, I guess that is after. He, it's before he throws her out and or then before, yeah. and she does like a nice little flip onto the car and clearly they have like explosives set in the windows because it's just this aggressive like. Yeah, and they, they're del- they don't they don't time it right. No, it's... no, but I, it's it's charming because of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like that. It was very fun. And they, they have a habit in this movie of Jason likes to attack from windows, which I guess that's the thing for in the past. He likes he likes going through windows, so I'll take it. Yeah, he, he's a man that doesn't let um, he doesn't let things stand in his way. Like, he, you know, I always say what I love about Jason Voorhees is he has an aversion to doors. And in this movie at the end, I mean, he busts through it fucking going like 110 because the thing just explodes. I'm like, oh, I love it. Yeah. And then after, well, and then the one lady, the, the girl that is the girl that gets the ax through the chest, which I don't know. It's fine. It's, I think it's over too fast. 
Yeah, it's a cheap kill. Yeah, she like comes back and finds all the different. She finds I feel like her boyfriend and these different people, and then freaks out. And when she goes through the front door, that's when the axe comes through, and it's like I could have used a little more, especially with how much she was set up as like this innocent girl. So then I wanted more of a payoff of like, oh, this is why you don't have sex. <laughs> you, you, the fact that you had sex is why this happened. So yeah. I wanted I, I wanted to see her like regretting her decisions. I forget how like conservative the idea of this fucking franchise is. Yeah, like sex is yeah. bad. But I was going to say that I think that, is this the first one where Jason crushes a head because the dude in the shower is where he like his death is crushing head now, which was the first third one. The eyeball pop out. Oh, amateur amateur mistake. That's a good point. Okay, then at this point, then they're establishing that the crushing the head is is a a Jason Voorhees uh, pocket move. Like he always has his pocket. Because obviously the second time. Because I like I like the crushing the head. I find it. uh, It's brutal. Uniquely Jason. Yeah, it's absolutely brutal. It is. It's a really well done effect too. They the the mold that they did to properly for the eye and three rep- yeah. replicate that guy. No, I mean for the, for four. Oh, well, he's just pressing his head against the, um, the shower tile. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just like it? Cause it comes in like awkwardly. There, there's times where it's almost like you can see the bone and cartilage give way. It's not just an immediate crushing, like a, like a empty water bottle. It's more of like almost there's, there's levels to it. Yeah, because it's like through his upper lip to his forehead. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 brutal. Looks so so good, and the fact that I mean, Jason is literally presses like he breaks through the glass to be able to do it. Yeah, he doesn't he he it's, doesn't open things. No, he just no, breaks no. through them, which is good because like uh, to me that's a man of efficiency. Like if it wasn't going to cut you, why would you open anything? If if it doesn't hurt you, then opening doors and windows is is wasting your time and mine. Yeah. Like, and I also like that for some reason doors explode. Like I would be happy if like him kind of pushed his hand through a window, made everything explode. Like it was just everything was to to the eleventh, you know, like for no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. He like, puts his hand in a window, just fucking blows up. Like, yeah, more of that, please. It's it's it works well too. It, like I feel like there's a lot of times when these movies where the bang 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 kills kind of almost don't fit the tone of some of the rest of the film. But in this one, I think that it just, it's so well paced. And by the time that these do hit, it doesn't feel excessive. It doesn't feel like, oh, they're just, they're just trying to kill off people to then get the, like, get the body count down. I mean, which I would say I'm 100% okay with in this series, but I think you're right. I also think most of it has to do with the. just so the pacing is so nothing feel it's not it, nothing ramps up it just feels like a, pro, a progressive intensity building and i think that's that's fine i mean I, again I, i'll take cheaper shit but you're right and i think that has a lot to do with the director probably and 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 knowing this stuff because it doesn't feel because once it you know in, in other movies like we'll have like a, a nice kill montage and then we'll have like a long chase scene this is just yeah. kill 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 uh situation increases uh What's his face uh, comes back. Uh, but, well, and I think too, it's, it's the fantastic story because it's all 
all of the kills and all of the characters being by themselves, it's all been set up in the prior yes. 60 minutes. Yes. No, everything. It, 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 it's a culmination of essentially the first half of the movie. I mean, good writing. This is yeah. the, the effect from the cause. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, think of what well, was one of the complaints with part three that we had was that I had specifically was the bikers. The bikers don't have, I mean, the only positive would be that then when Axel comes back, he then can, he then, he helps out Chris, but then he immediately dies. So it's like, well, there, you could have done something else to then distract Jason in that moment. But here they handle the parallel stories between the partying teens and the Jarvis family. Just extremely well it never feels like ah we're spending too much time with these people or oh i want i would rather spend time with the other people like why these people feel pointless they feel equally as important now 100 agree I, I, you know the teen characters are charming but it makes their their side story makes sense because essentially their side story is every other movie uh we're lucky enough to have the I want to say Feldman's because I can't the Jarvis's, but like Mm -hmm. their struggle makes a lot of sense as their own story. So they just wrote essentially a really decent family dynamic and then put it next to our nice tried and true Friday 13th story. And I think that's, that's what works so well is that what we have on the side is, is our teens. And we like that anyway, that that whole movie would be good, but Mm -hmm. you're wise enough to put, a cool side story with, and I think Feldman is the one that sells it a lot. Uh, the yeah. main, the main girl, I think does well. What's his face? I can't Rob. Is it Rob? Yeah, Rob. Uh, you Rob. know, it's the hunky woodsman. I mean, that's, that's a good, you know, uh, second plot or first plot. I'm not sure what's, what's what you would consider plot one and part two, but, um, I mean, just, I would mostly just because of Tommy being in, the other movies I would say that automatically makes his line part like plot one. Yeah, well, maybe retroactive plot. But and I do the th- fact that he makes it through the end that as well. But it's interesting because if you think about it, because he is in it less than the teens. So much less. He's hard. I mean, in a lot of ways, he's hardly in it. He disappears for middle portion. Yeah, he disappears for half the movie. Uh, but I, yeah. I also like that because that at this point in the series is different and. But let's let's do something different. I'm down. The only thing that I wish is, which maybe you can't do just because Tommy's a little too proactive. So if he saw stuff, then he would be doing things quicker. But I do think that they miss out on opportunities of potentially showing like essentially doing the the Tommy Doyle in the first Halloween where he sees Michael doing stuff. It's like I feel like they could have done that. Of him seeing Jason, even if he doesn't see him murder, just sees sees hints of him that then ramps up the tension. But sure, that doesn't yeah. happen. That's one of those that I, I I agree would be better, but I don't feel it takes anything away because it is what no. it is at this point. Yeah, it's more of a notice it after the fact kind of thing of like, oh, how could this have been improved? But no, everyone dies in pretty quick succession here. And then Trish and Rob essentially come on, come on to the scene and Rob is dispatched very quickly too. Which that'd probably be my one complaint about the movie. It's like you set up this guy and, and maybe you're trying to pull a nobody's safe card like you've done before, which I'm not against 
But being that he has history, that's kind of guy that really give him history and bring him back seems like a waste if you're just going to kill yeah. him. And the, he's killing me. He's killing me. What? What? Oh, I mean, come on. Poor Rob. Give Rob some shit. We didn't I mention mean, the, the dog ever, jumping at the... get killed, that ain't going to happen. I'm not going to say he's killing me. He's killing me. You know what, motherfucker? I'm going to exclusively <laughs> just say that. I'm going to do that. If I get shot or stabbed in a fight, I'm like, he's killing me. He's killing me. Just to make sure that it's something that happens in real life. But we didn't talk. Why? We, we had to talk about the dog jumping out the window. Oh, my God. Do you think, do you think that it's him <laughs> jumping out or Jason throwing him? I mean, they don't establish anything of Jason up there. It, it seems like he's jumping out the window to me. Yeah, I would agree. That's why, I mean, I've always, I've always thought that. So then when I, I saw people theorizing that it's Jason throwing him out, I was like, oh, I didn't. I doesn't make sense. That. I'm going to, I need a, a, a quick side story, but I promise it'll be, it'll be good for this whole thing. Many years ago, I think it was like 2006 or seven. I was in my second apartment. Uh, it's a three, a three flat in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, we, uh, my friends and I lived on the second floor and my other friends lived on the third. Um, and I, uh, worked like a lot of weekends and shit. So like I'd have a random weekday off. And so I was home and I'll never forget this. I had my big tube TV and I had this like old sort of Frasier rocking chair and I pulled it up close to my TV and I was, get, I was watching Rome for the first time. And upstairs, my friend, uh, him and his girlfriend were at work, but they had a Rottweiler named Stanley, this big fucking dog, small apartment, hilarious uh, situation. I'm watching Rome, living my life, and I hear what essentially sounds like uh, a glass table explode above my head. Now I'm home alone. And I, I've probably been smoking a little marijuana. I don't remember. But I remember thinking, like, well, that's scary. What's going on, you know? And so I look outside in my window thinking, like, is it a car crash? Is this somebody throwing bottles? And I see, for some reason, Stanley, my Rottweiler, or not my Rottweiler, but the Rottweiler of, oh, let's say the apartment building, sitting on the sidewalk. And I'm like, well, that's fucking crazy. So I immediately run down. Thinking, because I know, I know the, there's no the Rottweilers. I grab, I grab him. I'm like, okay? What's going on? Where you been? I grab him, and I look up, and I see a window completely open. Bring him upstairs, check him, I touch all his paws, uh, call my, my buddy Josh. He's like, hey, dude, your fucking dog is outside. I brought him in, and he's like, keep in your apartment. Uh, I'm going to talk to my girlfriend. She'll be home soon. Moral of the story is, I guess, he saw a squirrel and jumped at the window and exploded the window and jumped out of a... a the, the third story of a three flat all the way to the ground. Not a scratch or bump on the fucking dog lived a long life. That so, is insane. I do. And if it wasn't for me getting high watching Rome, the dog would have wandered off into another uh, existence. But I caught it, brought him back up, and he was fine. So when I see the dog jump out the window, part of me is like, it is very realistic and it's not goofy <laughs> or out of the realm of possibility. I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah, not that that wouldn't that doesn't surprise me in terms of being something that can is logical to have happened because yeah, that seems like something that would uh, that would I mean I've seen I, it bugs the shit out of me when I see someone that has a some has their dog in the back of their car and the dog is like hanging out the back oh, or so far out. out me and out. it's like do you, just because you were like oh he'll he'll never go out. Wait till some squirrel comes up when you're at a stop sign. If like that dog is going, yeah, yeah, the dog is really to stand uh, 
human conceptions. That's just squirrels over there. I got to get the squirrel. It's what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm, I, do they establish the, is Gordon, is Gordon dead? Does he, he comes back at the end, doesn't he? No, yeah, they don't get the dog. It's just, I think, I, I, I always thought if the dog was smarter than any of their human, it was like, oh, nope, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. As soon as he saw shit was happening, he's like, nope, no thank you. Cause we also don't see the mom die. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Off, off, off screen kill. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know why they did that because I know they have they have footage of probably MPAA, right? I mean, that has to be. I, I assume, yeah, maybe money and MPAA is every, every every answer to every issue of this entire series. Yeah, I mean, it usually is the the culprit, and so, so I really like this whole back and forth between Trish and Tommy and Jason. There's just there's a lot of fun in this whole and and. Uh, chase because I don't I don't I can't think of any other that has moments like this that I don't know work well with the tension because at one point you have Trish and Tommy are trapped in in Tommy's room with Jason busting in and then they're able to stop Jason but to be able to get out they have to like like pass over him which I don't think they fully milk as much as they should, but it's still a, like a good moment. You're but right. I, yeah. I always think of um, Halloween six. Remember that part where like they're going down the stairs and she has to step over Michael Myers. I think that's mm-hmm. a better example, but, but I still, you're right though. This switches enough um, locations, even if it's in the same house in general area, like there's enough location switches that this is a very, uh, intense but very enjoyable chase because it keeps it keeps moving it, it, it progresses like a video game yes yes very much so and by the time because you the part of it like how rob gets killed you almost kind of aren't convinced that he's gone so i know that even when i watched as a kid i'm like oh is he coming back is this something that they're gonna like bring back to but then obviously they absolutely do not and he's just super dead and let's not forget this is something i always want to bring up because you know i'm not the biggest purist but i know a lot of people are like oh jason doesn't run jason never runs uh a minute 20 and 58 motherfuckers running for his life he's absolutely trying to catch up to what's her face as fast as he can so i always mm-hmm. want to say i don't love the idea of jason running just because i think jason doesn't need to run but that is established very clearly in zombie jason like like brought back rotting face mega Jason. Uh, Jason clearly does run when he needs to. Yeah. I think like I said before of the, I think they always end up basing so much of like what they want their, the skeletal structure to be of their like film and Jason in particular, they always try and like, they focus on the biggest movie and like, Jason lives once it got to that it definitely just aped a lot of stuff from part four but then one of the things that they definitely don't do is run well that's a Kane Hodder Hodder thing he's come across and said that was his big thing is he doesn't like the idea of Jason Ryan which is fine I think it it works CJ Graham in part six and he's he establishes the the slow walk I mean yeah a little I, I feel though he still he still hustles a little more in that movie but you're right, though. I guess 
I guess that's, it, it's that's the not star- quite it's, as it's the start yeah. of yeah because in number seven I feel like that's almost the Michael Myers walking away like he's 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 just cucking he's just ha- handling yeah, himself very slow but I I I just want to I don't reason bring it up is because I think I don't like limitations and you know what I don't love him running because it's hard to look cool running I'll be real honest yeah. I, you know a lot of people look goofy in uh, this scene though it works. It works, and it's not a long scene. It, it it's just establishes that like he is really not in the the patient mood, and I think that's fine. No. I just I want to bring up that people need to I think take the uh, metaphorical stick out of the ass, so or the proverbial yeah. stick out of the ass. I'm not more correct. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, it doesn't need to be. I mean, I I'm I love you know I love the remake and the remake. He's running all over the place. So, nice, and I love yeah, and I love part two, and he's running all over the place. So you're yeah. talking to the right man here. Fair enough. I'm, I'm all about it. I so well, let's get into the the big finale because this is essentially the the showdown where Tommy cuts off all of his hair, which. It's pretty metal. I like. I yeah. like that. That's immediately where he, where his mind goes to is, huh? I can make myself look like this M word. <laughs> yeah, I mean the other the in number two. I said put, M by the way. M M is in Margaret, and not not the other one. You're not apparently you're not allowed to say that anymore. I've discovered. Say, say Mar. Oh wait, Mongoloid. Oh yeah, no, you can't. It's a, it's an offensive word. But yeah. I appreciate that instead of putting on like a sweater, you know, that motherfucker went up and did some barber work, you know, I, yeah. I, it really, it looks like he put some fucking eye makeup on too. Like he went, he went full Halloween costume just to trick Jason. And I think that's an effort worth applauding. But also that kid, someone needs to tell that kid, like, like don't use a straight razor on your head, a safety razor, I should say. Like when you haven't cut like the hair yet, you got to. I know you don't have like a buzz, but like you got to cut that more like closer I mean, down before you then do the safe. Do you see he's like fucking going hard with the razor while there's still so much hair there? Like, I mean, yes, lo- logically it doesn't make sense, but the end result is uh, clearly uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's also, it wasn't from that. That's that straight razor. It was clearly done by uh, a normal razor and, and cutting his hair, but, or not it's a bald cap, but it's a bald same, cap, yeah. but same. The idea is like, it's, it's a flawless shave and I want to give credit to that. Yeah. It, I'm, hey, it is not flawless. There's hair all over. Well, when there's it's not, the, ha- when there's not the hair things about it. Oh yeah, saying, when there's yeah. Not. yeah. I'm saying that like, yes, I, yeah, I thought follicles that, do not exist. Yeah, when there's he, not hair. Yeah, he's still good. It's a close shave. Yeah, and then Jason looks job. like looks like a monster. It's it's fantastic. Looks like a zombie. <laughs> yeah, an actual monster. It's it's that's not a human being. Yeah, not a human being in any way. Yeah, and I like uh, like the, all of that. The 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 mask being knocked off because Trish again going back to Trish being a badass. Trish is very <gasps> proactive in this. Yeah, so she's like not that. waiting to be rescued. She's kicking ass. I love it. Yeah, which is which is great, and it's too bad the. Well, it's it's both too bad that they didn't bring her back, but I'm kind of glad that they didn't um, that they didn't like destroy her, destroy her off camera, like be like, oh, yeah, this happened or that happened or she's in a nutso asylum. Or what they would normally do is bring her back for the first eight minutes and kill her off like while she's long blood drying her hair or something stupid, you know? 
Yeah, which I think uh, she just said she wouldn't come back. So I don't, I, I can't remember if it's, if it's these or the, for the next one where it was just like, yeah, we just, we're, we, we were told we weren't coming back and we were happy about it. <laughs> yeah, probably five, because five is, was the first um, soft reboot. Would that be the yeah. proper? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a little bit of a reboot. So, well, then we got the, we had a little bit of Tom Savini. Act, well, I mean, this is all Tom Savini, but the Tom Savini, Jason, like machete, the famous machete through the face and then and he slides sliding. Down. Oh, it's so good. It's a great, a great effect. Great. I mean, it's one of my favorites in the entire franchise, even though I can't really call it a kill because technically he doesn't get killed, but, but, but still. It, it's a kill in sort of like uh, the sense that as of this movie's uh, world building, he dies. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, he dies, Jason dies in every movie theoretically. So I'd say this is one of the best Jason deaths. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I'd put any uh, any above it. I like it that much. It's very good, and I love the Tommy with the die, die, die. And they try to make him out as uh, as a sort of psychopath at the end. He like gives the camera that look. Yeah. So did this come before? This is what year is this? This is nineteen eighty four. So this is before Halloween. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Halloween four theoretically was taking their exact ending off of Friday Thirteenth Part Four. Look at that. And then they still got cold feet just like the series and didn't go through with it. Like, come on. I mean, I, I, I'm the one person that, that thinks both of these ideas are dumb. Like, you can't switch killers. Uh, I don't like it, so I'm, fa- I'm fine with it. Yeah, I've, I've, done, I've done the background on the Halloween killer inside me is what it's called. With the Jamie Lloyd, like what they were going to do with that. And it's not very interesting, so I'm kind of very okay with them not having continued on with that, and I can't imagine this would be super interesting, but... Well, what's the closest we've ever got to them really passing the torch, and that's going to be Halloween Ends. And that proves, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, that it can't work. Yeah, that ain't that the truth. Holy shit, does that not work? No. I, isn't, isn't this also, isn't part four, isn't this the one that essentially gets i don't know the most references in those never hike alone fan films so i'm I'm gonna be honest i i support people making things and i think that's awesome i'm actually one of the few people that i don't like fan films i get really annoyed i get really annoyed it's just like let's do a real one I, i feel like fan films are a great example of like all that I could see is is the lack of resources as good as they get. And the fan yeah. films have brought back my two favorite characters, which is going to be Tina and um, Mr. Bernie Lomax himself, Terry uh, Kaiser. Mm-hmm. And it's just shot in this awkward fucking shitty looking room with this bad camera. I'm like, ah, nah, man. I mean, you tell me. I, I'm glad those exist because people are happy, but I've, I've tried to watch a couple of them and, and turn them off. I'm like, I'm done. Well, I know that like this is they I don't know there's just like connections in terms of what they've done in those movies I just I speak I say this more of like a tangential I haven't seen I've only seen the first one and yeah I don't really want to well they brought back what's his face Tommy Jarvis from part six who's also in yeah I didn't see that one one too um but I'm saying they they brought back the uh, I can't think of his name right now the actor who played Jarvis in six that 
is also yeah. in yeah, Tom Matthews. Yeah, Matthews. Yeah. Part of me, but part of me thinks that the lady who played Trish was also involved. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I but. mean, I, I do appreciate that it clearly is a fandom making these things. That's awesome. But it's like I'm just I'm a stickler for canon, and and I I like these to be official and made with a budget and not you know, not whatever. You know, you get yeah. what I'm saying. Nope, I'm right there with you. So, what would you what would you rate this film? Or um, I would probably give this. This is tough. In the Jason series, I'd probably put this at a four. Yes, four stars easily. I was surprised that even you had to think about it. I, well, this is an easy one for me. Four. I know, but I, I gotta. I got to kind of think ahead and like what I think about the others. And yeah, you know, I, it's, it's hard. I don't usually rate things in my normal life. I just consider it one of my favorites. I could rank yeah. it usually. I could rate it, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say out of four stars, this is a four star movie because it's one of the best. It's, it's definitely my top three and we'll get into where it is my top three uh, at the end of this whole series. Yeah. I think this is, I, I mean, we'll see, but I think this might be my last four star that we have. So I'm, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking ahead as well. I'm, that's why I'm making sure to give this one the praise as when we're at it. Cause I still, and I say that it makes it sound like I don't like movies later on. No, there's going to be a lot of like three and three and a half stars coming up, but now we're getting to, uh, to the era that was my, uh, my bread and butter when I was a kid. So I'm excited. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it, but well, I think we've pretty much done it. This is a supersized episode because we love some uh, final chapter. And I think we've pretty much done, done. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine any other episodes are longer, but I guess we'll have to see because part seven, part eight, we might, we might uh, get real, real into, into the weeds. Well, I'm excited. Cause like I said, uh, we're getting more into, this was the start of the Jason that I love. So we are getting into my era of Jason. So let's rock it out, man. It's good always talking to you, Tyler. You as well, Lance. And for those listening, make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, follow, share, rate us, whatever, anything you can do on any of the podcasting platforms that you're listening to us on. Make sure that you do all of that. Really helps us out. And make sure you spread the word anyone else that likes the friday the 13th series maybe let them know that we're doing this we would really appreciate it and just thank you very much for listening to us dummies talk for a little bit because we really enjoy doing this and we hope you enjoy listening so we will see you guys in the next needlessly nostalgic take it easy